Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. As we continue on in a series that we're doing called Being. And uh, this series is based on the Beatitudes. We, we talked about, uh, as we led into this series, that um, the culture um, has become one of having and not of being. And that having is all about right circumstances and being is about right attitudes. But that life is found in being, not in having. Uh, and not picking on having, just there's no life to be found there. And we, we talked about that as, a, you know, you remember that uh, how this change has happened in our culture that in 1960 there was no public storage space in the country and now there's two billion square feet of it. So uh, there's been a big change in the way that we look at things. And uh, it, it's been this, this shift and it, it happens throughout, but we've lost what matters most that life is found in being, being in relationship with God and others, loving God and loving others. That's where life is found. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gave us these Beatitudes to help us uh, find life. That as we move into and understand that these are the attitudes where life is found, that, that we can begin to change and to grow in Him. And uh, so the Beatitudes are found in Matthew 5, 3 through 12. And I've encouraged you to try and memorize them. And uh, I would keep encouraging you to try and memorize a couple a week until you get them down. Um, and so far, that should be verses 3 through 6. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so uh, that's what we're trying to memorize and continue to memorize, and we'll work through the rest of them in the weeks ahead. Today we're going to talk about um, verse 5, but just as a reminder, we've done a Matthew 5, 3, and I called that the attitude of humility. And then we looked at Matthew 5, 4 and called that the attitude of reality. That Those are the sort of foundational attitudes that all of these build on, and really all of them build back to humility. Without humility, you can't get there. And you'll, you'll find that everything keeps going back to that very first beatitude all the time. Um, because it's our pride that gets us in trouble. It's our pride that causes us to sin. It's our pride that gets us off track. And it's humility that allows us to admit our need for God. And, and to then really kind of move into the kingdom of God in our lives. So today we're looking at Matthew 5, 5. I suppose I should tell you a bad joke because I've been gone for a weekend and you probably are missing a bad joke. So I saved a particularly bad joke for you today. Um, what do Alexander the Great and Kermit the Frog have in common? Their middle name. Wait for it. There you go. <laughs> I told you it was bad. Alexander the Great, Kermit the Frog. Do you get it? Whew. Okay. All right, I got a worse one. What do all of the Smiths in the phone book have in common? They all have phones. <laughs> okay, aren't you glad I'm back? <laughs> we want Barry! <laughs> okay. Matthew 5 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
And we're going to talk about that today. Let's look at the first part of that verse. Blessed are the meek. And, uh, and we're going to break that down a little bit. And we will refer to this as the attitude of gentleness. The attitude of gentleness. Um, that word meek that uh, is, is for us there in the Greek could just as easily be defined gentle. And, and so it's the same concept and quality. Um, and, and yet I think that the, the problem with this particular beatitude is that, that people struggle with the idea and, and get a false idea about what it means to be meek. Because meek sounds like weak. I think this is a problem. And people, well, we're not supposed to be weak. And, and you're not. In fact, really, the only two people in the Bible that were used, called meek, were Jesus and Moses. And you couldn't look at either one of those guys and say that they were weak by any stretch of the imagination. And the, and the word in the Greek is, is kind of a, a picture of a, uh, uh, it means strength under control, and it's a picture of, of like taming a wild stallion so that it's useful to its owner. And so the idea of meekness or gentleness is, is really about strength under control. And that's what we're supposed to be like. It's a, it's a strength under control, and it's, it's, it's a strength under the control of God. Yielded to the Spirit of God is what allows us to be gentle and, and to be received as gentle people. And there's tremendous power, spiritual power, in gentleness. It's, it's life-changing, and it impacts people in significant ways. And so... Um, and yet it's something we have to practice because we are not by nature gentle. Um, we're not. You know, we, it's something you have to practice in your life because we, we tend to get, you know, so caught up in ourselves and in our lives that we, we don't often uh, exhibit, you know, show people gentleness. And yet it's a very powerful thing that God wants us to walk in. And so I've got three areas I want to talk about. There could be 50, but uh, just three for the sake of time about things that we can look at to practice being gentle in our day-to-day lives. And so the first one is this. It's how you treat people. How you treat people. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And so that's the big question. Uh, how do you treat people? For example, how do you treat the cashiers at Winn-Dixie? That's a good starting place. How do you treat the people at uh, McDonald's who are behind the counter? Um, how do you treat waiters and waitresses at restaurants? How do you treat them? And how do you see them? Uh, do, you, do you see people like that as part of the scenery and machinery in your lives? Um, or do you see them as people that God loves extravagantly? How do you see people in those uh, settings? Um, in your mind, are those people there just to make your life work? Uh, if there's a problem or things seem to take too long, uh, do you take your frustration out on these people? Uh, how about the people you work with? Do you take time to get to know them or find out about them? Or do you just sort of show up and, and move along? How about the people that, that you are really in relationship with? Uh, how do you perceive them? How are you relating to them? Well, I think one of the good tests in that group is, is are the, are the, do you feel frustrated by the people that you're in really close relationship with? 
Because if you're frustrated, you know what? It's about you, not about them. And so the higher your level of frustration, the more self-focused you are in those people. And if you're frustrated, you are not gentle, I promise you. And so you have to ask yourself those questions. And, and when you start to feel frustrated with people, what you really need to do is take a deep breath and refocus. Um, because you're, you're about to move into places you really don't want to move into. And, and especially, you know, in, in context of, of who we represent, um, just, you know, getting out of control, out of his control, is never good. And so how do you treat people? What, what is your, uh, your relationship like with people? When, would people consider you a gentle person or someone that's very gruff and demanding and uncaring? And it makes a difference. It really does. In the world, it makes a difference. You know, when, when uh, people see us coming into restaurants, they ought to be excited because we're going to be kind, we're going to tip well, and we're going to bless them. Uh, it should not be the opposite. Uh-oh, there comes the church people. They're going to yell, demand, and not leave us any tips. It's a terrible reputation, but it happens. We've got to break it. Break the stereotypes. You know, this is, this is all part of the process. When you go to Winn-Dixie, those people need to be blessed. They run crazy. Um, uh, they do. You can watch them. They, and and it's, a, it's a tough deal. And people are constantly mean to them. I see it happen all the time. And I think, you know, they're just there doing the best they can. Stop. You know, like I always, uh, I've told you this. I've learned a lot at Winn-Dixie. And I always, always get to this when I feel myself starting to get frustrated. It means I'm being selfish. It could be a lot worse, you know. I could have to hunt for all this stuff. <laughs> right? I could be out there trying to catch a fish or something and, you know, not having any. That's way more frustrating than having to wait in line. Be kind to those people. Bless them. All right? They need it. And when you show them kindness, they almost always respond. You know, I was trying to talk kindly and, and make sure I bag my own groceries and thank them. And you can tell they don't get much of that. How do you treat people? Ask yourself. Because it's really very important to begin to do that and, and, and to work on your frustration level. The world's a frustrating place, but, you know, but it, it, it's, if you make it worse by buying into it, relax. Take a deep breath and move through it and see what God, see, then God can use those moments. It's way better in that process, but it's a big deal about gentleness. And, and wait till you see the payoff for gentleness in a minute. Second, how do you handle what you know or think you know? And... Uh, by that I mean, are you teachable or do you pretty much think you have it all figured out already? Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which bind them together in perfect unity. See, the, the questions again we have to ask ourselves are, is this, um, do we, do you ever, do you always have to be right? Uh, or, or is it okay for somebody else to be right? Um, and, and I mean by that, like you might think you're right, but do you have to prove it? Or, or is there a place where you can find some peace 
in the process? Do you have to have an opinion on everything? Or maybe, maybe you can take a pass every now and again on some of those situations. Um, do you ever stop and consider that you may be wrong? A lot of people never, ever do that. I wonder if it's me. Nah. <laughs> but, but the reality is, it has to be you sometimes. You're not always right. But we, we get this thing sometimes, and I, I think we, 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 you know, we, we sort of like got to prove that we're right when, what's the payoff? If you have to, in order to prove that you're right about something, if it destroys relationships, is it worth it? You know, I mean, can you, can you walk hand in hand with someone if you don't see eye to eye? Can, can you, can you agree to disagree about things and still maintain relationships? You ought to be able to. Because most of the stuff that we struggle with is just not that important. But there are some things that are worth standing up for. Absolutely. I mean, there's some absolute truths that we need to stand for. But most of the stuff that we get hung up on is silly. And the things that divide us really don't matter. And they're opinions that, you know, we could do without. But, but how do you handle what you know? And, and have you ever stopped to consider that you could learn from other people? I, I think we can learn from everyone. That We have to maintain a... Uh, an ability to be taught, to be teachable throughout our lives. And, and that attitude will allow you to change a lot because some of the stuff you think you've got figured out, you haven't. I hope you're coming to realize that. that. Some of the stuff you really thought you had figured out, you haven't got figured out at all. And you have to take a good look at it again. And, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. I do this stuff all the time. I often think I'm right. <laughs> but then at what point do you take it? You know, that's the, that's the question. You have to ask you, at what point do you push that on, on the small things. And don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about bending here about Jesus or any of those other things. I, I'm just saying that most of the stuff that we get hung up on is just not, it's just not kingdom stuff. It's not big. It's little stuff. It's, it's stuff that really doesn't matter. That people get horribly divided over. And the country gets divided over politics. I don't. Yeah, people ask me all the time. Well, I'm not. Well, I, don't, I don't get political. Do you know why? If I go one way or the other publicly, I, I I lose the opportunity to minister to half the people in the country, who shut me off. So it's it's not about politics for me. It's about Jesus. You know, it's 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 more than politics. It's it's something else completely. I'm not not picking on people that are involved in politics either. I'm just trying to say, how far do we take? what we think is, is right on things that really don't matter um, at some level. So now if I've offended anybody that's very politically minded, I apologize. <laughs> and if you think that I'm wrong, that's okay. Do you get it? <laughs> right? Oh, you're wrong. Okay. I have no trouble with that. I was going to tell you a story, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's still in the works, so but I'm not, I don't think I'll tell the other group. So if I tell you, you got it, and it, it'll go on the film now. But that's okay. Um, three weeks ago, I was coming across the Bay of Honda Bridge, and I always I slow down because I know that when you're coming this way from up from Marathon, there's there's police there all the time, making sure that nobody's going fast. God bless them; they should be. And uh, so I'd slow down, jogging along, and the car goes racing by me, and sure enough. The police officer down there doing his duty pulls out, grabs that guy, lights him up. And the guy pulled over, and instead of moving off to the right, like 
should have happened. He pulled over to the left in that median there on the bridge. I'm the next car up, and I think, well, that's a little strange. And the police officer gets half off the road and half behind him, and I just assume he's going to give him a ticket. And so I slow down to like five miles an hour, pull way over to the right, and I go by him. That apparently was the wrong thing to do. Because the police officer, has, who by the time I got by him, had gotten out of his car, hops back in his car, whips it around, and pulls me over. <laughs> and, and so he comes out yelling at me. Is this the highway, he's saying. And I guess I'd, I'd moved, I didn't go off the shoulder or anything, but I'd moved over a little bit to give him plenty of room. So he's standing on one side of the way. Is this the highway, he's yelling at me. And I'm not sure what he means. And I go, I think so. <laughs> but I said, I'm not sure what you mean. Give me your license and registration. And so he writes me up a ticket. And, and I'm trying to talk to him calmly, believe it or not. And I said, officer, I, I just was worried about your safety. I pulled over so that I was way away from him. I slowed way down. He said, you did slow down. I said, well, what should I have done? He said, you should have stopped. I was like, really? Because you, if you'd have blocked the whole lane, I'd have stopped. But you didn't. You were half over. I just figured it was the opposite of what normally happened. But apparently not. So, uh, and we're having a, uh, but he gets angry with me again. And then he says, have a nice day. And he, he's done with me. So now, <clears throat> here's the struggle. I think I'm right. I think I'd go fight that ticket. I, I, I don't, you know. And so I thought, yeah, okay. But, but here's the thing. Is it worth it? Because I promise you, if I go down there and fight that ticket, that at some point, that young officer is going to come to church. <laughs> and I don't want to blow my opportunity to minister to him because I fought some stupid ticket. So now it's like, well, what's right and what's wrong? And what's the payoff and what's the big picture? Do you get it? This is my struggle. I still, I'm probably just going to pay the ticket, but, but, but see, I wonder about that stuff. Because especially when he first gave it to me, I acted, I was, I think I was very calm with him, but I wasn't very happy inside. Because <laughs> I was, I was sure I was right. I was like, come on, this, you know, anyway. So, I lay that out to you as someone that got a ticket three weeks ago. And, uh, and that's life. But, but see, I, I don't know if my, this story even makes sense. Do you get the struggle? Does anybody get the struggle there? Is it, should I go fight the ticket because I think I'm right, but then at some point maybe lose the opportunity? Because I promise you God's sense of humor. That guy's going to show up in church. I promise you. I know how God works with me. He'll be sitting over there looking at me. He'll be just staring right at me. You know what I mean? And I'll be like, ah. <laughs> huh? See, well, but is it worth it? See, that's the thing. I don't know yet. I haven't made a full decision. But I just put that out to you to talk about this is the kind of stuff of life. See, because really, ticket, no ticket, I'm not going to care about that. You know, two weeks from now, it's, it's, I can go to the idiot school and not get points and doesn't go on my insurance. It just costs me some money and time. But it's going to cost me money and time to go fight it. So now it's a, I don't know if that makes sense. But I'm just trying to give you something practical in my own life to say, you know, these are the things. See, this isn't, and it's not a, to me, I'm, I'm probably going to lean in the direction of what I think is a kingdom decision, which is I let it go, and at some point, I hope I get a chance to minister to him. But I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. So, that's, those are the struggles. See, but that's the stuff in life. But do you get that's really not that big a deal? I mean, is it, is it, I, don't have to, I don't have to be right. Or, here's the deal, I don't have to prove that I'm right, I don't think. I can settle in the fact that I think I'm right. <laughs> and whatever. Because it's not a kingdom thing. It's a, it's a ticket.
Anyway, I don't have all the answers on this stuff. I'm trying to tell you how this stuff works out in my own life. And those are some of the things that happen. Okay, third thing that we can practice being gentle in is how you look at the world. How you look at the world. First Timothy 6, 10 through 12. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And, and so the question is, is your focus temporal or eternal? And by that I mean, are you more focused on the temporary, the right now, or on the eternal, which is forever? Are you more focused on temporary things or eternal things? What, what are eternal things? We've talked about that. Eternal things is, are your relationship with God and your relationship with people and relationship with God. That's what's eternal. What's temporary is everything else. Where's your focus? I, I, I get the, the, that the pull is to be focused on the temporary because it seems more real than the eternal, but it's not where we find life at, at all. And, um, you know, the, Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So if your focus is on the things of the world, on the temporary things, that's where your heart is. But if your focus is on eternal things, your relationship with God and your relationship with people and relationship with God, that's where your heart will be. And, and that's where your heart needs to be in order to find life. And so these are all areas that we can practice being gentle in. And there, if, you, if you really think about this, there is not much gentleness in the world around us. What, we find, what I think I find most in the world is anger and fear, and they're very closely related. People are angry because they're fearful or they're just flat out fearful. But, but that's the prevailing attitude that happened in this whole culture of trying to find life and having. It's made people fearful and angry. And so when you come in with gentleness, it's a completely different deal. And people respond to it. People respond to gentle people. I'm not talking about being weak. I'm not talking about not having an opinion. Even in my discussions with you, it's not that I don't have an opinion. It's do I need to voice it. Uh, and, and that's sort of the, dis- the, the, the struggle that we have. But... But being gentle opens up some serious doors for us. And here's the neat thing. So we're going to tie it together. Um, in Matthew 5.3, we talked about humility, and, and which points us to our need for Jesus and allows us to enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.4 um, talks about reality and then allows us to be comforted or strengthened by the Lord for this life. Access to mercy and grace that we need in times of trouble. Well, gentleness, this, this one brings with it the promise of inheriting the earth. And I think that's very interesting, and, and I, I want to dig into that just quickly about what that really means. See, the definition of the Greek word for, for earth is this, and I, I wrote it in your notes. I think it might even be on the slides. It's from a, a primary word, soil, by extension, a region, or the solid part, or the whole of the terrene globe, including... The occupants in each application. Now, what that means is that our inheritance is the earth, including its occupants. And so point number four is, for our inheritance, Lord, give us one more. See, the, the, the payoff for gentleness 
is inheriting the earth, including its occupants. So our inheritance and gentleness are people, the lost, and God, for our inheritance, give us one more. Now, now that's our mission. You know that as the church. And, and this attitude of gentleness is fulfilling that is, is very important. First Peter 3.15 says, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. See, we have to be ready to give an answer, which is our radical message, for the hope we have, but it needs to be presented with gentleness and respect. That's why we're always talking about lately radical generosity and radical hospitality. And, and rather than seeing the people in, in the world around us as part of the scenery or machinery of our lives, you need, to be, you need to start seeing them as your inheritance for him. One more lost child back to dad. That, that everyone that you encounter, that everyone that you relate with, that everyone that you come in contact with is a... Is a person that God desperately wants to be in relationship with. Maybe they already are, but if they're not, he desperately wants to be in relationship with them, and you are the ambassador of God in that moment. And it can't be all about you. It has to be about them. So what if your hamburger takes an extra minute and a half? Smile and bless them. So what if you have to wait in a long line at Winn-Dixie? Smile. Bless the people that work there. So what if your food comes a little slow at the restaurant or they're a little late getting to you? Be a help, not a hindrance. See, see, each one of those is a potential inheritance in the kingdom. And that's how you have to see people. When you go in and, whenever, and, and start looking at people with those eyes. See, But it will take gentleness to do it because it can't be all about you. It's got to be, God, these are people that you desperately love. You, you, you love these people so much that you went to the cross that you could have relationship with them. And God, let me see them that way and treat them with the respect and the gentleness that should happen at that moment. See, that's why it's so important to get this one down. Gentleness is strength under control, being yielded to the Spirit of God, which allows us to keep the focus off of us and onto Him and to keep doing this thing that He's called us to. Be thankful for five people. Be, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one more. Back to Dad. Amen? Amen. All right, if you're watching by video, thank you for watching. And uh, if you need anything, call us, write us. We'll do whatever we can to help you. But we're going to close here tonight in prayer. So you can turn the video off upstairs.